1: Welcome back to Open the VoiceGate for June 30th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated feed on all podcast platforms and platforms out there. I meant to say applications there. Podcast platforms and applications. We're on all of those. You can find us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm joined as always by my co-host and friend, Case Lowe. And Case... We had a moment where we realized, oh, wait, it's only June 30th.
2: Yeah, so I kind of feel like I go back and forth on the daily of like, you know, things could be worse, and even if things are uh, bad socially and pandemically, like, we're making progress, or at least, you know, people are being more mindful, whatever, whatever, whatever and every once in a while I'll have a day where I wake up and I'm just not feeling it and today was one of those days where I just did I had no patience I was uh, way more pessimistic than I normally am so when I went to take my walk around the neighborhood which I take you know I take 10,000 steps a day all right I'm I'm not going to brag but I you know I do that okay some people don't I do that in the midst of my neighborhood walk Headphones on, world off, to quote a Tumblr post, um, and just very in my zone. And I'm walking by this older gentleman in at least his 60s, if not his 70s, in the neighborhood. And I should note, I'm wearing a t shirt uh, that I, I got recently. That it's, I'm not by no means am I bragging or anything, but I bought a t shirt that says in racism from a record label that I like. And it's two hands shaking on the front of the shirt. And I just like the shirt. It's, not overtly political uh it's not even directly anti-police it's just a nice shirt that says in racism and i like the shirt and i felt good wearing it and then this old guy walks by me and i hear him through like the noise of my headphones like turn around let me see that shirt and i kind of pause i'm like ah shit what did hannity say last night like what what are we gonna do here and i turn around and he's like i that's what i thought your shirt said man you younger generation, you younger people, you guys, are, you guys are doing it, man. Thank you for wearing that shirt. Thank you for, for standing up for this bullshit. And then I had this wonderful conversation with an old man that I was not anticipating on having. And look, there is work to be done. It is not a victory uh, or a large victory by any means, but it gave me the pep in my step that I needed. And it was a very nice, positive interaction. So if you are, I guess, feeling hopeless, remember there is hope out there. Yeah. That, I Mike, to answer your question, I'm doing fine. I think you asked me how I was doing, and I went on a two-minute model. I'm like, I'm doing all right. Well, you had to get your verbal steps in. That's exactly it. That's, I'm taking that from now on. That is how I'm going to justify uh, talking <laughs> as much as I do. It's my verbal steps. Like, it's reps. You know, Albert Pujols in the cage every day. I don't know why he's the baseball player I thought of, but whatever. This is, this is our reps, man. And actually, this, these, open the voice gates, not reps. This is the big time. This is the major leagues right here. Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network.
1: There we go. Yeah, no. Uh, other, other conversations you have throughout your day, excluding the one you, the, the very nice, pleasant conversation you had with the older gentleman, those are all practice here. And we're not talking about practice here. We're talking about playoffs <laughs> on this show. As This was the playoffs of the Empty Arena shows as the lights at the end of the tunnel. We are pushing through the front doors. We are out of the Empty Arena era for now in Dragon Gate with this last six matches that we had from the Rainbow Gate tour. How about that for a transition? I'm pretty proud of myself there making that work. I did not do great on the opening, did better on the transition.
2: You know what, man? We're, we're going we're to go, as we go along here, we're going to find our groove. You found your groove for that transition. I'm going to work on finding mine because, as you mentioned, we have now seen the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm, I'm so excited with how the Empty Arena shows, at least for now, because things could get worse so we might have to go back to Empty Arena, but at least for now, I'm so happy with the way the Empty Arena shows ended, and I am so happy that this weekend we have crowds once again.
1: Yeah, so on this week's update, we're going to talk about the last two nights of this run of Empty Arena shows that happened or were aired on June 27th and 28th. We're going to run down the full cards. We talked about this last week when we were just talking about X, but now we have... The full cards for this this weekend shows at Kyoto KBS Hall on the fourth and the fifth. Is to my understanding that these will be live on the network, how things usually are. Probably will not have commentary. It'll probably be the usual old single cam setup for there. And then after that, we'll take a look at the schedule for the remainder of July. And we have a couple news notes to get over with. As we're now we're out of this era, it seems at least in Dragon Gate, we do have some resolution here. It does kind of feel like that. They've worked through what they all set up, at least from like, that's my big takeaway from this last weekend. All right, we have some resolutions. There's no like title challenges kind of dangling over us. We have some movement. It does seem like that we're like moving towards what they're planning on doing for the remainder of this year.
2: Yeah. It's so nice after King of Gate, which was good. And we certainly got, you know, the winner of that tournament left with clear direction but for a lot of King of Gate, it was like, man, like, what are we doing here? Like, these shows just don't feel good. I don't really know what's coming next. And and now by the end of it, I think we have guys with directions. There's excitement in the air. And just to confirm what Mike had hypothesized, yes, the uh, KBS Hall shows on July 4th. In July fifth, as well as three other shows that we'll discuss uh, towards the end of the show, are all airing live on the Dragon Gate Network. As for commentary uh, in Japan or English commentary for that matter, I do not know yet.
1: If it's going to be like a true reverting to form, I would say that the only show that will have full production up initially will be the Corkin Show, and I expect that will have Japanese commentary. I don't think or I haven't heard that there's going to be any sort of English commentary for that Corkin show.
2: And if it was done, it would be similar to what New Japan is doing, where they're doing the English and post, and that is up about a day later. So we know nothing as of now, but if, uh, if we get any updates, at Open Voice Gate on Twitter is where you'll find those. Yeah, so let's get into these two nights of shows
1: as well. This one actually really felt like that they had a full maybe a Kyoto show with a title or a Kobe show with a title match that was basically spaced out between two days like that was my big takeaway here is that we had six matches across uh, these two nights three matches a day and you had like the rookie opener you had like a straight tag and then you had a trios match another tag and then like a bigger a bigger tag match with bigger stakes as the semi-main event and title match and it did kind of feel like in a way it was like reconditioning me because the way i watched this i watched these all back to back like okay this is what a standard dragon gate live show was and then came away with this i mean this probably was i felt like the most complete weekend of shows that they have had or matches that they had during quarantine i my lowest match was the uh opening match on the 28th the tag match of Tori mon army of doi and her gucci versus kz and jimmy but i still really liked everything we had out here this week, in case, what were your initial thoughts about the final two cards on Rainbow Gate?
2: We have a different worst match on the weekend, and granted, there were no bad matches on the no. weekend. But I have a ton to say positively about the Doy and Horaguchi versus Casey and Jimmy match that. I think we can. did you want to start from the twenty seventh and just break it down as if it were a normal card? Yeah, let's uh, and kind of and kind of go from there. So I think we should start with Kagatora versus Takejo Kamai, if that's okay with you. And for me, this was my weakest match of the weekend. Certainly not bad, but I felt like this was Kagatora uh, dominating the rookie uh, for ten minutes, and that's that's to me exactly what it was. I don't really remember Kamai doing a ton in this match. It was a lot of Kagatora offense, which, you know, I, I have been speaking publicly about, you know, Kagatora is just not, not my guy. So I'm sure there are guys where a 10-minute squash is rather appealing. But for Kagatora, it didn't do much for me. But Takedo Kamai comes away looking like he's capable of taking a beating in the ring. We've seen him show fire. We've seen him have grace. It's nice to see him almost rounding out into a full young boy, if you will. Like, we've now seen the aspects of what a dojo kid can do, and Kamai being able to get beat up well is now on his pedigree.
1: You see, I'll be someone who will will talk high about this match. This is my second favorite match on the weekend. I love this. I thought that, I, I, I thought that, am I really in this thing, As you, I think you're dead on saying that he showed like all the aspects for being a young lion, young boy, a dojo, a recent dojo graduate. It was something that like, it really kind of picked up that he was someone that in a different era, in a different time, especially with his look, he would have been like Yamato Sito. Like I did, I got <laughs> yeah, a lot of that.
2: That, that is very fair. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got a lot of that there. He, I thought that their chops battles that they had Kagatora for someone that like I'm not as down on Kagatora as you are. He's just someone that just kind of fills out the card to me. He's garnish in a lot of ways. Like I, I I've never been a Kagatora guy outside of the Yokosuka Chome tag team. So like I'm like okay here, but he lit up Kamai, something fierce for a good ten minutes the The one thing I'll say is the one thing that I've noticed, and I think this is something that this was like a test for Kamai that I wouldn't give full marks on was you could tell like the last three minutes that he was completely gassed out. Which I mean, yeah. Which I mean, hey, this is a, this is probably other than dojo matches and stuff on next. This is probably like his longest match he's had in his career. That was a singles match. So I could... for
2: sure a singles match cause I don't have we seen a Kamai singles match yet, or has he no. been? He's either been teaming up or teaming against Kabune in all of his matches, I believe, unless something is slipping my mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this was a big test for him. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't give him a 100% A-plus on this. i a, I give him a good, like, B-plus, A-minus for this as, like, a test for him. Like, he definitely is, like, rounding into a more complete wrestler. And I just like that my big takeaway of the match is, like, after this match, where a good solid four minutes of it were the two of them just hitting the crap out of each other. Kakatora going to the back just had a look of this prick at uh, towards kamei which i thought was tremendous so i went three and three quarters this is exactly what i kind of wanted in this kind of match and maybe it is that i had the expectations of oh i want to see a rookie and veteran just go at it for 10 minutes i love those kind of matches and it you know i felt like that that kind of fulfilled a lot of it there was definitely some places though that could have had a more interesting veteran kamei could have had two more minutes left in his tank and just gone full blast but i i ended up really liking this it's a
2: Mike Spears kind of match. That rating doesn't surprise me at no, all. No,
1: no, 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 no. It, it, well, when this match got got announced, did you already have in your mind like, oh, Mike's probably gonna go three and a half to three quarter stars in this match, regardless? I felt
2: like I felt like the floor was three and a half unless something went horribly, horribly wrong. I I, I love watching talent
1: development. I love watching wrestlers kind of grow, and I felt like that Kamai really took a step forward in this match, and we got to see what his strengths and weaknesses
2: are in Kagatora's Kagator. No, it's uh, it's good stuff. I think, even though I'm a little bit lower on this match, I think it speaks to the entire weekend of shows, which even when we've had empty arena matches that have peaked really highly, like Yamato versus KZ, Yamato versus Saito, the Ishida versus Kuda match from last week, there's still typically one thing on the show in these three-match uploads that just doesn't meet the mark for whatever reason. And I, and I don't know about you. Maybe you differ uh, maybe in these next two matches. But I thoroughly, you know, three stars is kind of the minimum on anything this week. And I think most of the stuff was breezy, fun. Normally, I'm an advocate of these empty arena matches being sub 10 minutes or really sub 12 minutes and kind of get in, get out, do your thing. But these matches had time to breathe this weekend and it added just a, an extra layer and a new element into some of these wrestlers wrestling in Lapis Hall, which I just really liked seeing. You know,
1: the, the only match that I had below three stars was that one match that I had a problem with. I went two and three quarters with it. It was a perfectly fine match. It just was not above it. And I thought that was more just miscommunications going on there that I noticed. Everything else there, like, I think this, this show for, like, I mean, you add up all the match times, we're probably talking about, an hour and a half, and you always have like the last 30 minutes on these files having like their backstage promos. Everything like did not seem like it, nothing felt like that. It was like overstaying its welcome. I, I would say though that Ultimo Dragon having a 15 minute match is not something I really look forward to in 2020, to be fair, <laughs> but like it just was like a good time. And-, and I feel like we had interesting things come out of each of these matches. and I came away with that going like, all right, we now have a way forward for nearly. Which is kind of sad. Nearly everyone who's not a Toru Mon wrestler who isn't Misato Yoshino or Naruki Doi, we know where they're going forward. And I find that very interesting.
2: Real quick aside, I, I agree with you on not wanting to watch 15-minute Ultimo Dragon matches in 2020, but... I just recently, a few days ago, was going through some just random Lucha stuff that I'm I'm trying to force myself to like. And it's not going great. Lucha's not good. I have made my stance abundantly clear on that. But I ran across a six-man tag for I think it was 1991, that unmasked young boy Ultimo was in. And, oh my God, what a talented wrestler. And I think just because we've really... You know, I think anything his post, you know, after his WWE run has kind of been lackluster. So really, 15 years of either injured or lazy or grandstanding Ultimo, you kind of forget what he was like as a wrestler. Oh my god, I enjoyed him so much. It it I watched that match before I watched this match, so he came in with a little oh, bit wow. of added goodwill. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like, oh man, I wish he was still that guy. I was like, you know what? Ultimo dragon is a legend and his presence sometimes it annoys me, but here I seeing, you know, what he did as a kid in Mexico in ninety-one where he's just doing grappling stuff that I have never seen duplicated. and He's flying all around the ring in a way that would get over in 2020, let alone 1991. I was like, you know what? Let me give him the time of day. He's doing all right.
1: It's just something that for me that I would never disparage his career. I mean, you're talking about 1991. So we're talking about something 30 years ago, which is a testament to him, especially considering that he's had a couple severe injuries that really were the things that slowed him down in the 2000s when he was still A younger man I mean he was he would have been younger than Yoshino and Doi at that time when he had those injuries in WCW and then was trying to come back from that so it's just one of those things that when I like going through the cards here that was like that for Ultimo I I, the next match on the show though I even though it wasn't like a a insane match I ended up really coming away enjoying Keisuke Okuda and Jason Lee versus Kaido Ishida and Hiyo it was Okuda with the win on Hyo after cheating with an inside cradle after a low blow in 12 minutes. I thought that this was not like a star rating match, but this was a match that I was like, you know what? Keisuke Okuda has the most clear motivations in wrestling, and that he he hates everyone in RED and especially hates Ishida and Hyo, so I was okay with the low blow.
2: Well, yes, and the post-match, post-match translations, which are on Twitter, at DG underscore J on Twitter, essentially Okuda just gave Ishida a taste of his own medicine because R.E.D. has been cheating Okuda out of wins and has just been cheating in general, and Okuda decided to, you know, let them know how he feels about it in this match. Mike, I I, I don't want to—I don't want this to sound dumb, and I don't want to brand something for the sake of branding it, but I remember— I was doing a podcast, not with you, my apologies, but I was doing a podcast with Alan Forel, listener of the show, uh, in January of 2019, which might as well have been 15 years ago by now. At least it feels that way. But we were talking about the rookie ranking tournament that Dragon Gate was doing and how the current crop of young guys in Dragon Gate, and we can throw Akuda on that list, but we were referring to Ashita and Ut and Yo, And whoever else was in that tournament, Dragon Dia, even though he was was ill at the time, and Shun Skywalker, and I think Jason Lee could be included in that list as well. We need to come up with a name to describe their new style of wrestling, because what they're doing, what this new group of guys is doing, is effectively... And I think, to an extent, drastically different than what the Big Six of your Tozawa, Shingo, Hulk, Yamato, Doi, Yoshino guys—it's a different house style than what they were doing, and what they, the Big Six, were doing was so drastically different than the Shima, Magnum, Mochizuki, Milano core group of Toriyama. We are seeing the beginnings of a shifting house style in the company. Something. It is almost like a, a bantamweight style of professional wrestling where it's so explosive and so different. And I just feel like that needs to be acknowledged a little bit more that, yes, you know, Ashita we've talked about him for the past month about how we think he's the most exciting guy in the company. Uh, this match was no different. I thought he was excellent here. And then you've got, you know, Akuda, who, whether he's contracted or not, we still don't know. But at the very least, the company is getting behind him in a real way. Jason Lee, who's a full time guy now. Strong Machine J, Dragon Dia, Shun Skywalker when he comes back. These guys are all doing something different. And their in ring style is going to shape the company five years from now. And. I don't know if that's necessarily been acknowledged or not, that what the guys on the undercards are doing, to me at least, you might disagree, but it feels drastically different than the main event picture and your top tier Torimon guys and your top tier Yamato KZ level Dragon Gate guys. You know, that's something that maybe it was something that kind of struck me a
1: little bit in the rookie ranking league where i was like all for that stuff and where like i think I, I i like did a solo cast at the time talking about like wow kaido Ishida was like getting massively over that time yuki yoshioka wasn't the guy here and i i think this even kind of extends as much as you could say it can extend to with the uh current batch of rookies that we've seen come up over the last six months that if there's a i think there's a definite house style change that's happening from underneath And it's a house style that is not a complete departure in the way of how Shingo Takagi as a wrestler was such a complete departure from the Torimon T2P era of wrestler. It is kind of taking that and adding certain things with it. We definitely see with like Diet and Shin Skywalker and even like Yuki Yoshioka, there's still always going to be an element of speed and high flying to the house style. That's never going to change. But I'm wondering how much of it, because like explosive is like the operative term here, wouldn't you say? Like that's the adjective to describe this. Like when you said bantamweight style, yeah, a lot of these guys are a little bit smaller. But like when you think about like bantamweight boxing and bantamweight like MMA, it's known for being a constant action style, and I think you really see that with Ishida kind of being the person who's at the forefront of the style that he does. He doesn't really dive as much as he used to. He would dive back in the maximum over-generation days, but it's very much like the idea of constant action and a lot of what the old Torrey fans would call hot fighting is kind of another adjective to apply to, and I feel like that this match really had that. And for someone like Hio, which we've seen how Hio's kind of found his place as the lost post in a lot of ways and has not been much of a fixture in 2020, he ends up being probably, this is one of like his better matches he's had since the RED turn because of he's with three generational guys and they're working the same style that he
2: can also do at the same level. That's exactly it. This style brings out the best in him because if it's Ashita and yo against, you know, Horaguchi and Saito, we don't get this version of the RED team either. It's, it's secluded in the fact that it's generational in this house style we really don't see a ton of it when it's you know Ashita and Yamato in the ring then it goes more towards that typical what we know as the Dragon Gate house style but these guys together are cultivating something different and i don't Again, I don't know what to do with this information necessarily. I'm not saying that we need to be the ones to come up with the name of it, although people have been saying we need to write the book on Drangate. I don't know how that is possible, but (laughs) we'll work on it. Uh, But I I don't know what branding or what steps need to be taken to give this more spotlight, but I at least thought it was worth mentioning here because the match was incredibly fun. Yeah,
1: this was a blast of a match. You have the idea that now it's interesting with Okuda. Like, I I kind of, at times, would call Okuda the most interesting man in the company because he's someone that's pulling across, like, yeah, Yo is in R.E.D. now, but they never really resolved everything between Okuda, Yo, and what was uh, Mochizuki Dojo. So, of course, like, if this isn't going to be, if this was a match against, like, B.B. Hulk, he's probably not going to go at him at a certain, like, tenor that happened here and just made this a very interesting match that, like, I feel like that, maybe I'm reading a lot into it, but I felt like that that was definitely something that came out of it, that some people were like, oh man, there's a low blow. No, I thought this actually worked with who Okuda is as a wrestler and working across what has been a major storyline from him in this career in Dragon Gate.
2: I completely agree. I think the following match, even though I just said nice things about Ultimo, I do think the following match was the weakest throughout the entire weekend.
1: Yeah, it uh, happened. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, this, it happened the, this was Torimon versus dragon gate army the Torimon team was the aforementioned ultimo dragon the maraha isapa consisting of KinKi hor and ryo saito and they were going up against yamato kz and strong machine j which is a kind of an interesting trios match but this was not that interesting match i went three flat and just moved along my day it was more funny me remark me when i was watching this thinking geeky or picks, like, the wildest contacts. So, like, they, they, like, had, like, a bunch of, like, close-up shots on Geeky Horiguchi with, like, these neon green contacts, and you, like, look at him, like, this guy looks like an absolute psychopath. Like, that was my and big takeaway from this has match. has, like,
2: a pretty tame in-ring style. Like, right. he's not Jun Kasai. You know, it's, it's Genki Horiguchi. He loves having fun. The one interesting note to me in this match was seeing Strong Machine J incorporate himself into the hot fighting, closing stretches of these matches, whereas, you know, with the Strong Machine Army, their, their style just wasn't really conducive to that, and what they were doing, that wasn't necessarily the goal of it. And we started to see it, obviously, as I remember this week, he and Dragon Daya are two-thirds of the Triangle Gate champions, and the other third is Ben K. I know the champions this week, but, it, you know, we started to see a little bit of that, as they began the run as champions and just as a trio, we certainly saw it the next night when they defended their titles, but seeing Strong Machine J sort of adapt himself to the aforementioned in-ring house style, it was nice to see. But now this is three flat. This is a nothing match.
1: Yeah, no, like, coming away from this weekend, and, and this is a weekend where we got to see a couple people multiple times, I think Strong Machine J probably was, if I was going to call, like, the man of the weekend, it probably was Strong Machine J just because he was able to incorporate himself in this kind of match, and then the Triangle Gate match as well. I was pretty impressed with what he did there, but that's, that's really all the thoughts I have for that. Uh, it was a fun... It was a good three matches. It was a good time, and you know, it felt like the bottom half of a televised show, and then we kind of had this, the upper half of the televised show on the next day. The first match was my least favorite match, and it's not that it's least favorite. It just was something that, you know... I came out of this match thinking, boy jimmy for a guy who's been over for a while this was kind of a match where i'm like yes we know he, jimmy is big now but it just was one of those things that for people like naruki doi and Gigi horaguchi i was wanting a little bit better chemistry with someone with like people that he would have wrestled with a lot over the last like 15 months and i didn't really get it in this match personally this was naruki doi and Gigi horaguchi versus kz and jimmy kz gained the win after the running elbow smash on Gigi horaguchi in just under 12 minutes
2: I feel like I need to go back and rewatch this match now, because you've got me doubting myself a little bit, but I'm going to stand strong with my convictions while we talk about the match, because, you know, maybe Horiguchi and Jimmy didn't have the best chemistry, but Jimmy in the ring with Naruki Doi, Mike, my friend, I was very into that. I thought Jimmy held his own. We talked about when Jimmy worked on a King of Gate show, how it didn't seem like he had adapted to the new muscle mass and there was a lot of mass put on. It didn't seem like he had adapted to that all of all that well and was still trying to figure out how to contort his body in the ways that he used to be able to. But now he's just a heavier and quite honestly different human. Here, I thought he'd figure that out. I really, really liked him going at it with Doi in this match, and I'm disappointed that you did it, because I thought this was going to be a Jimmy love fest. I mean, like,
1: I felt like that Jimmy was a little out of control. Like, there was, like, the corner spot where he basically took out a cameraman, and he was just (laughs) flying all over the place. And I like recklessness there. It just was something that for... Someone that they, that they clearly have invested a lot of time in, and I do think that Jimmy is someone that I'm on record as being pretty positive on and being really excited to see where he goes. Maybe it was just that there was a lot of Jimmy and Horiguchi here that maybe I was just like, okay, I was not feeling that matchup. Because, yeah, no, him and Rookie Doi were great, and then KZ coming in in, like, the key moments. I mean, pretty easy night at work, I would say, for KZ in this matchup. Like, he did not have the most difficult weekend out of anyone, so... No, know.
2: and an easy night for him, and God, Casey's so good. I mean, watching him work at these empty arena shows, I think he's one of the guys that translates really well to Empty Arena. And it was just watching him and Doy go out. It's like, man, I I really wish that was the world main event this year, because I think Casey is ready to finally become that top tier guy. I mean, realistically. It's like him and Yamato are the top two guys in the Dragon 8 Army, and granted, Yamato laps KZ in terms of importance and popularity, but KZ does seem like that number two, mm-hmm. and I wish I wish he would be treated as almost a 1B to Yamato's 1A instead of a 1 and 2, but it was a, it was a fine match. I, I enjoyed the Jimmy part of it. I think he's going to figure out how to contort his bodies in the way he used to with the added muscle, and I, I hope he continues to make tape, and wrestle more because I think there's something there with him.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, if I said that I was going to give Menorah, not Menorah, sorry, I'm looking at the card, the next match here. If I said I was going to think that Kameh, I would give him like a B plus A minus, I probably would give Jin, Jimmy a B minus here. Like, I, I, I'm i not unfair here. It just was something that I was like noticing things that, you know, kind of pick up on. But you did raise something that I'm going to, you put the thought in my head earlier talking about New House style. And I'm going to make a claim here. I think KZ is a person who's who's originated this house style because he was kind of doing this kind of stuff dating back in 2018 when he, was, when he had his first ever Dreamgate match against Mochizuki. It's a very similar style, I feel like, then you could see that there is a lot of what KZ does as a wrestler that matches up a lot with this younger generation.
2: I think that's exactly right, and that's something I had not considered, but I think you nailed it there because really the roots of KZ becoming the wrestler that we know him as, which has to be traced back to, uh, I don't remember if he was in Die Hearts or not, but for he sure. In tra- okay. Yeah. That's, he was Brave okay. Gate champion Die Hearts. That's okay. Yeah. So uh, right around that time where he stopped being the heel fodder and the heel fall post when he became a real wrestler and was having matches with Akira Tozawa and then later on, his sort of long-standing feud with Shingo that never really got resolved. But it was it was like KZ was influenced by Yave, but wasn't really doing that style. Whereas someone like Yuti, who we'll talk about in just a second, like UT is is doing Yave and wants to enrich himself in that style, wants to become a T2P style wrestler. KZ is just very clearly influenced by that and has taken it, into a new part of his game. And granted, the guys we were talking about earlier ashida ashida Okuda, Jason Lee, Shun Skywalker, whoever else, maybe they're not as well-versed in submissions or even in a, as, like, wacky flash pins as KZ is, but you're exactly right. I think we can trace the root of what is happening now on the undercards to the rise of KZ and especially that Mochizuki match which you were the one that reviewed that that review was on VoiceWrestling dot com of February twenty nineteen I believe is that twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen? Geez, I'm good with years. I can't remember on this.
1: I'm blanking on this. I I, I think it was it, it, was
2: it was it was eighteen because it was it was eighteen was Mochizuki. nineteen was Pac twenty was Doi. He's Mister February. Mm-hmm. Um. But that is a match that if you have not seen that, go find that. It should be on the Dragon Gate Network if it's 2018. Uh, Mochizuki versus KZ is a brilliant match. It was in Mike and I's top 10 of, of that year for match of the year voting. And I think it just feels different yeah. than most Dreamgate matches. And I think if, if you are a little unsure of what we've been talking about in terms of this changing house style, Watch that match, and I think it will give you a better idea of like, oh, wow, this this is different than most of what happens in Dragon Gate. Mike, that was such a good point. Good for you, man. Hey,
1: I, I'll take the... After I was a little bit defamatory towards Jimmy, I'll take the the positive. I'll take that compliment. Uh, the next match we had was the uh, Torium, was Dragon Gate Army versus RED, as we had Yamato, UT, and Kota Minenor against who would be the top three in RED. These, it's the... Uh, Former tag team of Ada and Big R Shimizu and BB Hulk. This was this went 14 minutes and 42 seconds, so it was the longest match on the show that was not a title match. And Shimizu got a much-needed direct fall as he penned Kota Minoru with the shot-put slam in 14:42. And this was a— I, I want to hear your, your, your take on this match first because I thought that this match was
2: pretty interesting. Really, really liked it. Um— the the biggest robbery in terms of selfish, self indulgent professional wrestling, uh, the, the professional wrestling landscape during COVID nineteen is not knowing what Dragon Gate was going to do in some of their most interesting months in March, April, May, June, because the interesting part to me about the generational warfare was especially on the Dragon Gate side what teams were going to form, what trios were going to have chemistry, what trios weren't going to have chemistry. And yes, Yamato and UT were in Tribe Vanguard together, but I don't really feel like UT was really ever super important in Tribe Vanguard and with Yamato particularly because you know, there was the KZ, UT, Maria team that we really liked and Yamato was obviously off in the main event doing other...
0: In the hobby... by going to arena club.com slash VOW net. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slap pack, $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: So seeing those two together, we've seen a little bit of it before, but with Minora is something totally new. I loved their chemistry as a trio. I thought Shimizu was great in this match. Ato was there. Hulk was there. But the Dragon Gate side trio was a borderline must watch because I thought their chemistry was so good. This is something that I feel like really
1: happened in this match, and I kind of see this also in the Triangle Gate match. Was that this was a match with gears, and the the thing about this these six matches were they either started in Top Gear, just going at it like the uh, Lino Kuda versus Ishida Hio match, or it was a match that you know was competent but never really. Went past second gear. They weren't getting on the interstate here. This was a match that you could hear the the gears changing as they changed into this, and they really got into it. And it really started where they had this prolonged heat section on Minonora, where it just really got interesting and got really cool. And then we had Hulk and Yamato got got in together, and you know, I mean, that's been one of those like storylines that we haven't been able to see develop because of how things happen. That Hulk was revealed as the Christmas surprise. He is the Red Demon. And we had all this build up and pre-COVID about, all right, Yamato wanted Yamato and Kai fucking hate Hulk for what Hulk did and turning and ending Tri-Vanguard. And when these two got in the ring for their section, it was incredible stuff to see as well. And then we had the, the whole storyline with like Big R Shimizu being the failed son of the unit and him distinctively and emphatically putting away Kodamanor with a shot put slam and seemed like that at least during this match everything was going well for R.E.D. and everyone was getting back on the same page and I just came away with this match going like yeah no this was like a great match a great chemistry with the uh, with Trueborn team like you mentioned and you know seeing the big three and R.E.D. in the ring together when they really haven't been so far was nice to see as well
2: I understand shimizu's current role i get it he's kind of sleazy he's someone that the way it's been explained to us through multiple people (laughs) is he's it's not that he's dumb but he's not smart is sort of i think the gist of shimizu outside of the ring and that has certainly bled into his in-ring character so i get the direction they've gone with him I understand his role in R.E.D. He still pushed heavily, but I really miss Monster Express and especially Maximum Era Shimizu, where it felt like he was a killer. He's someone 2015, 2016, 2017. I thought he was one of, at worst, the top 15 wrestlers in the world. If I needed a good match, I was turning to Big R Shimizu. And I just feel like we've lost that the deeper he's gotten into R.E.D., where he's changed his look and I think looks less threatening. He's changed his demeanor. He doesn't come across as dangerous. And it's just disappointing because I loved the early incarnations of Big R Shimizu and seeing him be so violent and be so aggressive here. It was such a nice change of pace. I wish we had this guy all of the time because when you have ShimaZu in this state and you have Hulk who has a purpose and you have an opposing side that has such great chemistry, even in an empty arena setting, my friends, this is how you get to three and three quarter stars from Case Low.
1: Yeah, I went three and a half, and I was. The, and this was. I usually don't sweat it, and I put the only thing I sweat is if I have the fear or not. But this is a match that totally. You can make an argument for me that's a four-star match, and I wouldn't disagree there. It, the thing about Shimizu, and it's not that he's not smart. It's that he is kind of a buffoon, is the way that I would describe Shimizu, and they've kind of made that into his character, and it's kind of tough when you're supposed to be one of the top people in the heel unit, and the idea is that you're kind of someone who has two left feet, you know? In yeah, I think that's fair. And it has, like, brain two left feet, <laughs> like if that makes sense to, to you there. But it, it's something that there obviously is something they're going with with Shimizu. I don't know if you could put the genie back in the bottle in a rollback time to where you had him, his tag team with uh, Benkei in Maximum. Holy shit, that was like one of the more unique tag teams in Dragon Gate history. Just two large adult sons going at it for 25 minutes and you hope to survive them. So... It's interesting. And then you have Eita, who I think, I mean, he is put in the role, and I felt like that he, on this weekend, and since King of Gate has done well in that role, we're just always going to wait and see how they're going to pay off this.
2: Yeah. And, and that's the, an issue the Shimizu, Shimizu. Yes. The, the, the Shimizu thing in particular, I think if he's going to revert back to you know, either his old ways or what he used to be. I think it's going to have to be a complete overhaul. He's going to have to change his look again, change his gear again that way. But as long as we have slick back hair and uh, Big R Shimizu's favorite wrestler, Kevin Nash, as long as he has the Kevin Nash gear, uh, we, it's not the same. It's, it's sleazy Shimizu as we know him and it's fine. It's good at times, but I don't think it's the same.
1: Yeah. I think that's pretty fair. And then, you know, for Hulk, I thought this was a decent Hulk match. You know, I mean, Hulk as like the red guy with the terrible gear. It, I, I I've put 2014, 2015 Hulk out of mind, and this is the Hulk we're getting in 2020. I'm okay.
2: I like Hulk in 2020. I have I have no issues with him. Yeah. So
1: a match that I had absolutely no issue with, and they they finished these run of shows with really strong title matches, in my opinion was the Open the Triangle Gate title match as the Dragon Gate Army Champion team of Benkei, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya defeated the Dragon Gate Generation team and really Gen 1 team with Yoshino. Yoshino's Gen 2, to be honest. Of Masato Yoshino, Don Fuji, and Izushi Kanda in 19 minutes and 33 seconds with one of the, I would say, one of the biggest upsets of the year in Dragon Gate when Dragon Daya got the direct pinfall after a reptilian Rana on Masato Yoshino.
2: March 22nd, 2020, I went four and a quarter stars on KZ Dragon Daya, and, or four and, a, four and a quarter stars on KZ Dragon Daya, Yosuke Santa Maria against Big R Shimizu, Eita, and Kaito Ishida. June 20th, I went four stars on the dot Kaito Ishida versus Kaisuke Akuda. June 28th, 2020. Ben K, Dragon Daya, and Strong Machine J against Don Fuji, Masato Yoshino, and Yasushi Kanda. Four and a quarter stars. This is what I have been waiting for. This is the empty arena wrestling that works for me. And the finish of this match, Dragon Daya continues. It's been closer to a year now then he has been unstoppable. To my knowledge, he hands Masaru Yoshino his second pinfall loss of the year. And you might say, you might say, well, that doesn't mean much. They haven't had a ton of shows. But Masaru Yoshino does not take pinfalls, all right? He was pinned by Yamato in Cork and Hall on January 15th during the tag title tournament. And Yamato was on the same plane as Masaura Yoshino. Naruki Doi is on the same plane as Masaura Yoshino. And I think Dragon Gate wants to think Ata is on the same plane as Masaura Yoshino, but he's really not. But for Dragon Daya to, especially when Kanda's in this match, for Dragon Daya to pin Yoshino is a huge, huge deal. And it comes after 20 minutes of what I thought was phenomenal professional wrestling, where everybody, Don Fuji and Dragon Daya especially, I want a singles match between those two tomorrow, but where everybody, all six men, pulled their weight, this is what I'm talking about. I loved this match.
1: It's something where, when you watch this match, you see, one, Don Fuji, big match Don Fuji, is one of my favorite people to watch just because he has a certain kind of gumption about him, certain kind of crankiness about him. He is willing to just completely brawl. Like the opening exchanges with him and Ben K, where he basically, bulled, I, I'm using the term bulldog, but it was not a bulldog. He basically grabbed him by his by his his head in like a side headlock and dragged him to the mat and turned it over to a pinfall. I was like, okay, here we go. This is interesting. Let's go with this. And it went from there. And it, this was like another one where like, it had gears, it had gears. They had a prolonged Dia selling segment, which was tremendous. And especially considering you have one person who we the clock is going to be as of tomorrow, the time of recording, less than six months left, left in their career. Someone who's cl- taken a clear backseat, and someone in Yusuke Kanda who had a career ending match and has never been completely the same since. He made them all look like monsters beating up on him and then was able to come in there. We had the big red misfire but that the fact that considering the state of masato yoshino's back that he was willing to say no i'm we're not gonna do a flash pin here i want his finish is a huge thing as you rightly said masato yoshino since his existence in dragon gate has been one of the most protected wrestlers in the company like milano collection well AT- it
2: goes yeah it goes back to his italian collection days go ahead
1: yeah i was gonna say well Mil- milano collection at of course the inner the leader of the Italian Connection. Of course, the ace of T2P. But he would be the ones that drop the falls in the big matches, not, Milano, not Masato Yoshino. And it's been that way for him for 20 years, pretty much since the first day. And him dropping a fall like this here, when we know that the end is coming, and it's coming faster and faster for Masato Yoshino, that is a transcendent thing. And especially considering who Masato Yoshino's big career rivals are, and especially like, dating back early in his history, how he had such a feud with Dragon Kid, the feud with Kness, like the fact that, like okay, the next generation of dragon, in case you know how much I love hammering on the next generation of the dragon, the person that's going to carry the mantle of being a dragon forward into the next generation, to 2030, hopefully to 2040. I mean, I hope nothing for the best for the kid. Him getting the pen here is Probably even more so, in my opinion at least, and you can call me on this a bigger thing than the fact of his elevation over the last year. The fact that he got the pen against Masato Yoshino is massive. I can't stress how important this was and how big this was for him. And it wasn't just a great triangle gate match, and considering what we would have and who we're working with here, the best parts of the three vets who have a combined. Seventy years of ring experience, I would say seventy against a team that has a combined of eight, eight years. Incredible, to match.
2: your yeah, it's uh, to your point about Diapin and Yoshino. I think, I think it is safe to say this is the biggest moment in his career thus far. What none of us know is how these empty arena shows how they will stick in people's minds if you know anything memorable occurs i don't know two or three years from now if i'm going to be able to say king of gate 2020 was won by eta because we these shows are just different and i i think had this match happened in corken had this match happened in osaka number two had this match happened even at the fukuoka venue they run now we would be able to say like remember when dragon dia pinned yoshino for the first time like that was a huge deal I don't know if this will have staying power given the circumstances that we are given, but I do know in the moment it felt like a really really big deal to put atop the list of big moments that have occurred in Dragon Dia's career, especially since last November when with a snap of the fingers everything changed. This right now is the biggest moment in Dragon Dye's career, and good for him because his performance has shown that he's earned it.
1: Yeah, no, he is someone that... There will always be some things for him that he's not going to be able to overcome with his size, but he is a top-tier performer in 18 months? 20 months, maybe? No, it's close to 20 months. 20 months in his career. This kid, I mean... The, the, the one thing that's a shame about, like, we don't have another King of Gate coming up, okay, so we can't see him, like, in a like, big, big event singles matches immediately, because I'm excited to see what could come out of this. Like
2: I need I, I need a match three on a Corkin show, Don Fuji versus Dragon Dye. Oh god. That that has, speaking of floors and matches that are upper alleys, that it, it's specifically on the first half of a Corkin Hall show. I don't know why that matters, but it does. But we're talking four stars flat is worst case scenario there. I need <sighs> that match to happen <laughs> this year. Because their chemistry in this six man
1: was off the charts. Well, I mean, Don Fuji is one of the best bullies in wrestling, and how can't you cheer for? For dragon dia trying to fight up against this 40 year old train enthusiast who wants nothing but to put this this rookie in the dirt and make meat dirt
2: oh man if only the good looking dragon dia matches continued but mike i think it's time we break down the july 4th and july 5th shows and unfortunately the july 4th dragon dia match does not look too appealing
1: this is a real bless your heart moment for him <laughs> so we, we got two shows they're back in kbs hall I have still not heard what the uh, restrictions are, but I, if I'm to believe that it's similar, because this is in Kyoto. It's a different prefecture, of course, than Tokyo. Tokyo has been operating at a one-third capacity. Kyoto is in Kansai, which is Western Japan. It Western Japan, to my knowledge, was not as locked, or it came out of lockdown a little bit earlier, but it, I'm going to assume it's still under the one-third capacity case, unless you've heard something differently. I have not. Yeah, so we're expecting probably about – this is a venue that the seats 600 on a good day. Expect about 130 to 140 here. Just running through the card, and feel free to interrupt me after if there's any match they have a big take on. I know match two, we will have a moment just to bless Daya's heart there.
2: Just a deep sigh into the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so
1: everyone, you have about two minutes before that. Uh, match zero, Kakatora versus Ho-Ho-Loon. Uh, match one, KZ, Bin K, Strong Machine J versus Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Ryo Saito. I think this is the first time since he's been back that Ultimo has been on a televised opener.
2: It feels fishy. Yeah. I i don't... I Looking at this card, I don't know what they can do because the main event is uh, is Toriumon versus R.E.D. So I don't know... If they can change the main event on the fly, but KZ, Ben K, and Ultimo in an opener, that match is, is, as the kids say, that match is sus.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is, and this is called Hopeful Gate, but this show is really a sus gate as we're gonna go down. <laughs> the, 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 there's just a lot of matches here, and of course, the biggest, the biggest one in match six, and then match two Punch Somanaga and Dragon Daya versus BB Hulk and Diamante.
2: At the very least, Diamante and diet and should have very good chemistry. We'll see. Um, <laughs>
1: we, we will see.
2: Match 3, which actually, you know, as like the Match 3
1: singles match, can be something really interesting. Is Dragon Gate versus R.E.D., Yosuke Sanda Maria versus Big R Shimizu. That's, there could be some
2: gears moving in that match. I'm into it. It feels like a match that is going to mean something even if the in-ring isn't all that good, although I think it will be. But this has angle, this has promo, this has something looming over it. As I said, this is Susgate. Something's going to happen. Match four,
1: and the Mike Spears special match, Yamato and Kai versus the Mochizukis, as Masaki Mochizuki teams with his former original M2K partner, and the person that he took his name from, Less than 20 years ago, they are reuniting. We are getting Mochizuki Mochi, getting Mochi Mochi tag as it's Mizaki Mochizuki and Susumi Yokosuka. Don't think there's going to be anything happening here other than this is a match where we're going to get to see a lot of mean people hitting each other.
2: I can't believe that this match is being booked because it doesn't entirely fit with the storylines. No, not of, at all. You know, Mochizuki's not of the Toriyama generation. He's an outsider. He's unitless right now. So, I'm delighted at the prospect of this match. I think this match will be excellent. I'm just a little surprised to see it on these shows.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's it's something that you're like, okay, th- this is just wanting to have a fun match here, and I'm okay with that, but it's it sticks out there. Uh, match five, we're basically getting somewhat of a run back, but taking out Hyo, as we are having Dragon Gate versus RED, KSK Akuda and Jason Lee versus Kaido Ishii and Kazuma Sakamoto. Okuda and Sakamoto. Actually, really, both of those guys in Sakamoto. is going to be pretty
2: interesting, I think. Sakamoto's good. This is going to be a good match. And it's positioned late on the card, too. So it's going to get some time. This could be really fun. I, I, we'll talk about it, especially with the July 5th show. I really like these cards, though. I think they're coming out of the gate with the right matches.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, we talked about this last week, but we have the first entrant, entrance of X as... Speed Muscle and Ruki Doi and Masato Yoshino are teaming up against X versus Ada, Takashi Yoshida, and Hyo. In case I I went to my bookie, I, I went online and I found out well, what they were offering odds on. They would not let me bet my house on X being Suji Kondo. I was really disappointed.
2: I am a, a liberal man in many senses. What most people do does not bother me. I typically do not care. Uh, as long as it's not harming others or harming me. But I've always had a bit of a prejudice against gamblers. I don't know why. Well, actually, I know why, because my father does, and it comes directly from his line of thinking. So I'm not a degenerate. I will not be gambling on this match. But if I was a betting man, I would be betting that Yo will be eating a King Kong lariat by the hands of Shuji Kondo when things are all said and done here.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're going to see how good Yo is on taking a crazy bump here, because that's going to happen. And I'm, a, and I'm an action junkie, so we have, <laughs> we, we have two sides of the coin here. So, soon to become a steroid guy, is my understanding. You know, peer pressure is something that's happening right now. A lot of people think that I got into tracksuits as a thing in the first half of the year, and they think the only thing that make it look better is if I got on the gear, got some Deca. Got some andro, got some EPO, and just get really ripped and gassed. I, you know, I I'm gonna fight up against that because you know
2: I don't want to get on Roy. I just hope that when All Out 2021 happens and we're all vaccinated and we're all happy. And the economy is in flames, but we're all happy because we're gathering as wrestling fans. I just hope that you are so roided up that you have trouble walking through Rich Krejci's doors when you enter his home. I want shoulder to shoulder to door frame. I want you to be that big, Mike. I really hope this happens. So you want me to be the American Bing K is what you're saying. Yes, no, whatever Ben K is on, it can't be legal in the States. At least, I hope it's not legal in the States. But if you could get that, (laughs) I'm all for it.
1: I mean, God, I'm just imagining just, like, walking through the house, Rich and the nurse, like, turn around and go, like, Spears, what the fuck did you do to you?
2: (laughs) Every step causes the house to shake. The floorboards creep. (laughs) It's just buff Mike Spears, don't worry about it. I
1: mean... You know, the, I have enough of, like, you, just, like, playing out things in my head, things that I've slighted people, things that I think I said wrong and I beat myself up on it. I imagine how much I'd beat up myself for, like, accidentally knocking over things because I am just too jacked.
2: But if you're too jacked, you get to beat up other people instead of yourself. That is the perk.
1: But aren't I beating up myself, though, when you think about it?
2: Uh Man, that is real. We do not have time to break that down right now. Ooh, uh, uh, but Mike, we... Mike holds a mirror up to society, and the mirror flashes back at me. Mike just put me at my place because I advocated for violence.
1: I mean, I, I was more saying that I was going to like ruin my kidneys and liver through <laughs> that, steroids. That I'm
2: not worried about. That, that's your own <laughs> okay, <battle>. okay.
1: Fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Uh, the next night, or the next afternoon, is the show on the 5th, also from KBS Hall. Opener, Masaki Mochizuki versus Jimmy. This is a match zero and who boy. I'm excited to see what could happen here.
2: Should be very fun. I feel bad for Jimmy. I think he will be having liver problems by way of Mochizuki's feet and his kicks after this match, but I look forward to watching it. Yep. And
1: then another interesting match one as Ultimo Dragon again is in the opener. This time he is teaming up with Don Fuji, Gamma, and Kento Kabune making his in-ring return. it would be nice to see him back as they're going against the R.E.D. foursome of Kaido Ishida, Takashi Ishida, uh, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto. And this is an interesting match. Like, I don't know how to make heads and tails of it other than Kabune seeing the fall from Ishida probably.
2: Yeah, it, it's a really fun-looking match where unfortunately the result is not in question where Kabune will be eating some sort of pin. But having the young guy team up with the Toryumon guys, and I guess Gamma to an extent, although he's old, so I kind of lump him in there. Twenty
1: wrestler of the year, Gamma.
2: God, you're right. We're That's going to be put to the test this weekend. But, oh my god, that... Uh, whew, man, that took me back to a simpler <laughs> time. Um, But, yeah, no, th- this should be really fun. I think Kabune and Ashida, and Kabune and Sakamoto, again, very high on Cosmo Sakamoto right now. I think those... Could be really fun pairings.
1: And then we have a pair of singles matches. Both of them are Torimon versus Dragon Gate. Both of them have a lo- level of spice that I'm interested in. Match 2, Susumi Okosuka versus Kota Minenora. Match 3, Ginki Horiguchi versus Keisuke Akuda. I think this is a, this is going to be an interesting thing in match 2, seeing where Minenora is as he's coming up on his three-year anniversary.
2: Super pumped for both of these matches. Again, I like, all, I like everything on these shows. Yeah. This show
1: is somewhat like if you're going to only watch would get up and watch one of these shows, sadly, this is gonna be happening like at two
2: a m Eastern time. But this would be the show to watch live. I will be attempting to watch both of them live. whether that happens or not, I do not know. I have been prone to fall asleep uh, in the because why would I watch these shows live, when I could just watch them literally you know, four hours later after a full night's rest, but I would rather watch them live. So I'll be attempting to watch both of these live. And, uh, you know, Yokosuka versus Minora is going to be hard hitting. I-, I think it's just. I, I just. I- I'm so excited to see what this match is going to be. And then Horaguchi versus Akuda, we have no baseline <laughs> for what this could possibly be. I mean, it's Genki Horiguchi in a singles match, so I'm all for it. There's going to be backslides from heaven in this match. I can't wait to see the clever ways they get into and out of those flash pins, but he's got a Kuda in the ring with him, which is just different. I'm really, really excited to see what these two matches bring. And it's such a shame. I know there are bigger issues, but we're focusing on the, on the landscape of Drangit here. It is such a shame that we missed out on these types of matches for three months. Cause this is what I get excited about this is and then the next match, which, oh my <laughs> god, when I saw this announced, I couldn't believe it.
1: Match four, Torimon versus Dragon Gate. Speed Muscle, Doe Yoshi, Naruki Doi Masada Yoshino, teaming up to go against KZ and Dragon Daya. So, Dragon Daya, sorry you have to go through match two where you're teaming with Tomonaga the day before. You're gonna go against the uh, Gold Standard and Dragon Gate tag teams, and you're teaming with KZ. This should own, this might be the blowaway match of the weekend.
2: This is outstanding. I mean, this is one of those that I feel like it could headline this show, quite honestly. I think it, because it's Doi and Yoshino and KZ, I kind of think it has more uh, star power than the main event, quite honestly. I wish this was going on last, but at the very least, it looks like on a six match show, knowing Dragon Gate, I would say this goes on before intermission if there is one. Because that's, do you know, are they going to be doing intermissions on these shows or are they just going to try to limit? I guess people walking around and interacting with each other as much as possible.
1: I saw their uh, protocol and it seems like they're not having intermissions. So okay. this is going to be straight through. So these two shows might be a combined four hours and 30
2: minutes. Good. Um, uh, That's more than okay with me, but yeah, I, I mean, Speed Muscle versus Casey and Daya. I don't remember seeing Casey and Daya team in a two on two setting ever before. And now you throw them in the ring with Speed Muscle this is my most anticipated match of the weekend. I am genuinely so excited to sit down and watch this match.
1: A match that I'm anticipating because you, you said that the last card it, it was suspect. This match just blares at me. This is awarding things might happen here. Special tag match Dragon Kid and X Shuji Kondo versus Benkei and Jason Lee. Dragon uh, uh, as someone that that really loves their 2004 match uh break down the history for dragon kid and shuji kondo this is what we expect to be wait what kind of dynamic are we coming into this match with
2: 2004 kobe world the final toriamon show the closest to what i would say is like assault and not even professional wrestling like veering into this is dangerous and to coin a phrase makes me deeply uncomfortable is close to what we got with shuji kondo versus dragon kid at world 2004 it is on dragon gate network if you have not seen it go watch it you have probably seen the gif of a dragon kid trying to slide under shuji kondo kondo grabbing dragon kid by his head lifting him up and then throwing him straight back down onto said head. It is one of the most violent things I've ever seen. And now those two are going to be pairing up. Kondo's got Ben Kay to bounce off of, and he's got Jason Lee to throw around. I don't know if this match will be better than the, previous, than the previous night's match uh, of the other X match. But I certainly like the prospect of this one with Kondo in there against Ben K and Jason Lee. I'm going to throw a wrench in there for a second.
1: The main event, as announced, is Yamato Kai and Strong Machine J versus Ada, BB Hulk, and Big R Shimizu. Wouldn't it be something if uh, Suji Kondo just goes off, dismant- tries to dismantle Lee and K and then attacks dragon kid and immediately reveals himself as a member of RED. And we make that into like a 10
2: man tag in the main event. Ooh, Mike, that is, that is phenomenal fantasy booking. I think you're onto something there. Now that you say it, I it's, it's unfair of me to say that the main event, the Yamato Kai strong machine, J versus Ata Hulk Shimizu match. It's unfair for me to say that that's missing something because it's Yamada, who's the biggest star in the company, and Ata, who they're pushing as one of the biggest stars in the company. But you throw Kondo into that mix, and it just adds a layer that I I don't think it needs, but I think a main event of this show in particular, kicking off Hopeful Gate, I think a main event warrants that sort of importance, and I would be all for that scenario playing out. And it's just something
1: that, Kondo playing nice with Doi and Yoshino is one thing, but him playing nice with Dragon Kid just does not pass my smell test. So No, rightfully so. Yeah. So those are the two shows that are going to be this weekend. We do have a full slate now announced for July. We do have a card up for the show on the 10th in Nagoya. We do have a bit of bad news with this show. In training, uh, UT suffered a minor knee injury. He will be unable to compete while recovery and they think that'll be about three weeks, so he will be out for the remainder of the month, unless they announce something for... They they have shows announced to the 23rd. I guess he could come back on the 24th if they had shows that week, but I don't think so. And it's just a bummer that he's injured. I mean, he's a very bitten person, bless his heart, and especially in Nagoya, his hometown.
2: Yeah, he's going to miss out on his hometown show. He's going to miss out on Cork and on the 15th. It's... It's a shame because he looked really good in the six man this weekend. and has looked good in the two matches he's had since his return where he was out for over a year and it's not the first time he has missed, you know, over half of a year with injuries. He's turned into such a good wrestler. He's a guy that I had no use for for the longest time. And then suddenly he became one of my favorite wrestlers in the company. And it's a shame watching him go down the drain and continue to be injured the way that he is the good news to come out of all of this is, you know, like Mike and I said, we've got the shows on the 4th and the 5th in Kyoto. We've got the show in Nagoya on the 10th, which uh, will not be taped unless something changes, which I don't anticipate on it doing. Uh, we have a show from Osaka that will be on Gate Network on July 12th. That is from the Osaka number 2 Edeon Arena, July 15th, obviously on the Gate Network Dragon Gate returns to Corken Hall for the first time since February, a five month gap. Good for them. I'm excited to see what they do. They have another untelevised show on July 18th. July 19th, they roll into Kobe Sambo Hall, where we saw the first two empty arena shows where they had the wrestlers set up around the ring. This time, as long as everything goes according to plan, they will have fans around the ring and then another untelevised show on July 23rd. So within the span of three weeks, we are getting five live Dragon Gate shows and at the time of where, that we're recording this, they will be yes, limited capacity, but with fans, I am very excited to see what comes for Dragon Gate this month.
1: Yeah. And I think that the first two hopeful gate shows definitely get the gears rolling that there's nothing's on the show that you well The nice thing about having at least this format they had through Rainbow Gate was they are able to tie up most of the loose ends. We do have that after the Triangle Gate match, it does seem like the the six-way rivalry that probably was going to be the uh, Dead or Alive match What seems to be kicking off again. It does seem like that's something that's still an ongoing issue. We have everything going on in R.E.D. We have Big Arshimizu. We have X. And then we have of course Ada being the nominal number one contender who does not want to have his title match but he wants to take out Masato Yoshino first but case we are now back into the swing of things we, we originally started doing these updates thinking there would be like half an hour 45 minutes but of course we had a lot to get in here get into here do you have any other last thoughts before we wrap it up
2: I'm I'm pumped that the that the shows are returning to some semblance of normalcy Mike and I will have audio coverage of all of these shows I will likely have written coverage of both Kyoto shows and the Cork and Hall show for sure. I'm pumped. I hope you guys are as well. Yep.
1: And it's, you know, given everything going on and the bigger thing at stake, it's nice to have some little sense of normalcy that we have here. And it's going to be cool to see how things are going and seeing like how the crowds react. And it's just a lot of things to kind of get into. So if you're someone that was kind of like dipping your toe in it. You saw the free show on YouTube. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up in July, and it's like the rare time that I'd be like, yeah, no, this is the time to jump on because things are going to get pretty interesting pretty quickly, I'm willing to bet.
2: Yeah, so uh, as always, I'm on Twitter, at underscore in your case, uh, and then both Mike and I share the Open the Voice Gate account at Open Voice Gate Mike is on Twitter when he's not in tracksuits, doing steroids at Fuji Heo with two eyes like Don Fuji. And I think that's all for this episode of open the voice gate. Yep. That's going to do it here. So for case I'm Mike and we'll catch you next time on open the
1: voice gate.